The Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. They have rejected me as their king. 1 Samuel chapter 8 Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. This podcast is a compilation of devotional resources and music shared by those who support the teaching of the Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. My name is Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 126. We'll begin by introducing a new segment that we'll be sharing on Canaanbaum Podcast. It's called Lessons from the Kings. We want a king, the people cried. It was a simple request, really. The king would speak, everyone would listen, and he'd be in charge. That's the way it worked for the rest of the nations around them. At least, that's the way it was supposed to work. Samuel heard their request. He wasn't a king. He was a prophet. When it came time for any decision, he sought the Lord's guidance. This was the arrangement. God, their Lord and King, would direct his people. They would listen to him through his prophets. And he would, in grace, as he promised, bless them. Simple arrangement, right? Samuel knew how wonderfully this worked, too. He called the people to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, and they did. Year after year, he traveled throughout Israel, serving as a judge. When you picture the time of Samuel, you can picture a time of peace for Israel a time when the Lord was well-known, well-trusted, and well-served by the people. The Lord spoke. They all listened. Undeserved blessings of His grace followed. It had to have been awesome. There's nothing greater than when God rules in the hearts of His people, and in grace He blesses them. Samuel was like a light for Israel. God's word was honored, and he continued from childhood to old age to say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. But the light began to grow dimmer as he grew older. As he grew older, Samuel didn't have the strength, so he appointed his two sons to be judges over Israel. That's where things began to go wrong. For them, sure, the Lord might have spoken, but money talks too. They let money speak louder than the Lord. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. It got so bad that the people of Israel pleaded with Samuel to fix things. The elders of Israel gathered around their old leader and pleaded, Your sons don't walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us. Can you blame Israel for pleading for a king? The people's solution seemed reasonable. We want a king such as other nations have. They wanted a simple arrangement. The king would speak, and everyone would listen. Except... God was supposed to be that voice. He was their king. He said to Samuel, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me as their king. That's from 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7. It was a simple arrangement, really. I speak, you listen, I'm in charge. That's the way it worked for ancient Israel. At least that's the way it was supposed to work with them and their God. But something was missing from their checklist for a ruler. Now it was the Lord and His Word were no longer the prime part of their equation. Their criteria, someone in charge, someone to be our king, 
so we can be like other nations. Having an honest, intelligent, and just ruler is a good thing. But as the people of God, we don't need to plead that God send us someone to lead us the way the rest of the world is led. We don't need to make that plea like ancient Israel did. We are different. We already have a king, just as they did. Our king comes to us and leads us by his word still. Our hearts are guided by that word. That king is above all others in our hearts and minds. And yes, he is a just, wise, and perfect king. What king would do what he has done? What king would come to save his people? What king would hang on a cross as his own people mocked him, that he might save them? Our king, our good, gracious, merciful, wonderful king. It's a simple arrangement. He loves us. He speaks. We listen. Why look anywhere else? Take time to listen to the word of the Lord. He speaks. We listen. Join me for Lessons from the Kings as we go through the accounts of the kings of ancient Israel and Judah and find many truths for today. Why? There's nothing greater than when God rules in the hearts of his people through his word and in grace he blesses them. We want a king and it must be Jesus. Jesus, my Lord, my King, my unending, unfailing source of peace. This next song is shared by Tracy Fedke, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You can find her music by going to SoundCloud and searching for Tracy Fedke.
Up next, we have a segment dealing with the topic of apologetics, defending the Christian faith. This is shared by the science faculty at Manitowoc Lutheran High School. My wife set out a bird feeder this summer, but something was different about this feeder, and something was different about the birds that visited. They were from the Trochilidae family of birds. You may recognize them by the iridescent feathers, which change color depending upon the light level, moisture, angle of viewing, and even wear and tear. But you may even recognize it first from its namesake hum, for it was a hummingbird feeder that she hung out. What makes them unique among birds? Well, for starters, God has equipped them such that although they often weigh only a few grams, roughly 25 to 30 percent of a hummingbird's weight is in its pectoral muscles. These are the broad chest muscles principally responsible for flight. To maintain that amazing hum flight, in which they can move any direction and even hover in place, its wings beat between 50 and 200 flaps per second. Its heart rate is more than 1,200 beats per minute. You and I are only about 60 to 100 at any average moment. Even at rest, a hummingbird takes an average of 250 breaths per minute. All of this intense motion requires energy. And so a hummingbird must consume approximately one-half of its own weight in sugar daily, which, as far as we can tell, they use with 97% efficiency. That is only 3% wasted as unused heat energy. What planning, what awesome foresight in the design of this amazing creature. And if our awesome God put such thought into this one creature, imagine the great care he took in the plans he has for you. Matthew 6, verses 26 through 34 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? For you, God reveals in 1 Peter 1, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. Imagine that. Before God planned for this bird on day five of creation, he already had your salvation in mind. First Peter chapter 1 continues, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. And what a hope we have. You are his own, created in love, and purposely brought back to be his own with the precious blood of Christ, which God planned for before the creation of the world. What's more, he has given you your own unique gifts and abilities. Remember to get out into the world around you and see God's wisdom and design in his creation. And remember that as a child of your Heavenly Father, you too have gifts and abilities that God has given you. Use these abilities to open up his word to see his wisdom and design for us in Christ. What's more, 
Our gracious God will surely grant you all that you need to share that good news with others. Up next we have To Tell the Story shared by Pastor Luke Italiano. This message is based off of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and no one would take them in. Joseph went from place to place. He went to his cousin Benjamin. No, I heard what you did with your fiancé. No. He went to his aunt Rachel. No, we won't support people like you here. Mary's body shook as another contraction shook her. She cried out in pain, grasping her stomach. He had to find something, and he had to find it soon. But no one in his family would take him in. They all thought that he had sinned. They were wrong, and they were right. He hadn't sinned the way they thought he did. But how could a man like him be father to the Son of God? How could a man like him, who he couldn't even find a place for his wife to give birth, how could God trust him with his son? Finally, an innkeeper took pity on them and gave them a barn, a stable. Joseph supported her as they came into the cave and laid her down. Mary cried out again. Another contraction. The time would be soon, so soon. Why wasn't there someone here to help? Why wasn't there any any women? Joseph didn't know how to do this. He wasn't even a shepherd. He didn't know how to help even animals give birth, much less Mary. He wasn't good enough for this. He wasn't good enough. Mary gripped his hand. Oh, that hurt. No, don't think about that. It's worse for her. Of course it is. Joseph crouched down, held her, did his best to soothe her. He wasn't good enough. She was still in pain. She cried out again. Oh, if only Joseph had trusted her. He never even should have looked at the divorce. Why did it take an angel for him to believe her? Of course she would tell the truth. Of course she would never cheat on him. Of course. It was time. And they were alone with the mooing of cattle and the neighing of sheep. And he had to deliver the baby. He crouched down. What would happen if he dropped the baby? What would happen? He didn't know how to do any of this. What was he supposed to do? And then... Another cry split the night. But it wasn't Mary. 
he was holding the Son of God. The child of David, the one that would reign on his throne, the one that had been promised for so many years. And here he was, in Joseph's hands, helpless and crying. How could God trust him like this? How could this be? Mary took the child. Tears were running down her face, sweat all over her forehead. And she held her son, son of God, Jesus, the one who was here to free his people. The one who had chosen Joseph to serve, not because Joseph was worthy, but because he loved even Joseph. The one who came on Christmas to save us. Because it's not about how good we are. It's about how good he is and how loving he is that he would come and dwell among us. Brothers and sisters, this Christmas, marvel in wonder at the God who would choose to be one of us and love us. And this story is true. We'll close this episode with another song by Tracy Fedke.
You have been listening to Kanenbaum Podcast, episode number 126. This episode was first shared in December of 2017. For more information, visit kanenbaumpodcast.com and learn how you can find the music and also the messages behind this podcast. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us, and remember His promised rest.